Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Happy Friday, Dr. Paul. Great to be with you. Good. Let's keep it happy in one way or the other. But, you know, to keep people happy and satisfied and they're comfortable, they have to know the truth. So you can't pretend, well, I'm going to be happy, but I'm not going to deny the truth. Well, today we're going to work on that as we do every day is uh, trying to understand what's really going on and talk about it and what we ought to do. And on Friday, we spend more time talking about the soundness of money and why money is important and uh, how it works into the principles of liberty. So we will be talking about uh, that. And I want to start off, uh, of course, by making a general statement that pure democracy is not what the founders wanted. Matter of fact, they never they never talked about it uh, unless it was a negative <laughs> comment about uh, democracy. But democracy, I think, leads to mob rule and, uh, and it's very damaging to the minority because all you have to do is maneuver and manipulate and get the majority vote together and all of a sudden something happens. People, people get bewildered by that and say, oh no, democracy is the saving grace. And I say, yeah, it's pretty neat for some people because if you don't have the votes, you just call in the people to vote. And like New York City, 800,000 uh, votes from non-citizens and uh, we'll, we'll just change the rules. So it gets to the point where I think, I think it's uh, not uh, you know, radical to say that uh, democracy leads to mobocracy. <laughs> that is the, the majority ruling and the minority is cheated. And we will talk about that, especially in the, distri the distribution Well, But let me, let me tell a, a brief story about how I got really interested in it. And I've said it before, so some of you have already heard this. And that is that in 19... 1971, uh, the uh, uh, Nixon administration uh, closed the gold window and, uh, and took away the right for American people to own gold. And that ushered in a very strong decade of, uh, of in inflation. So th this was an inflation that was very, very uh, devastating. And uh, the, the day after this happened, uh, I was at a chamber of commerce meeting, and uh, they were—they uh, had uh, the local congressman. Uh, our congressman was there, so I, oh, this is an opportunity because I was just really into studying Austrian economics. So I got to ask the congressman. I says, uh, "How? What, how do you define inflation? Where? Where does that come from?" And he says, "Well, it's it's one of two kinds. You either have cost." push inflation or you have demand pull inflation and that was it you know <laughs> you know if you have shortages prices go up he, was, he sort of had a, a meager understanding of supply and demand and that might affect prices which in a free market is very beneficial but there was no comment at all about the value of the dollar. Of course, that he was he was rather typical, and it still goes on. The universities uh, don't teach uh, that the uh, both sides of the equation, the ups and downs of the value of currency, is just as important as the ups and downs of the supply and demand of the commodities. And this makes all the difference in the world in understanding it, because it continues this way. It's rarely mentioned. Oh, the problems we're having, um, it's due to the Federal Reserve. It's due to spending too much money. 
It's due to excessive democracy where people can get together and demand and politically it becomes impossible for them not to vote for the spending and they can't tax the people. So what do they do? They promise wonderful things to the poor people and uh, they introduce this whole idea of inflation, passing out money and devaluing the currency, which helps the rich and really hurts the people that it was designed for, the middle class and the poor. All this stuff is designed to help them and they end up with the tax to pay for it because there's a demand both by rich and poor to get free stuff, uh, but there's never a demand to be uh, frugal and understand how you pay for it. Uh, taxation can be a limit because uh, you know nobody wants to pay taxes. The rich aren't going to pay the taxes. They'll know how to get, get out of it. So they have, to, they have to decide what to do about this. So what, what do they do? They, <coughs> they debase the currency. The money loses its value. Prices go up. Those price increases are the tax, you know, and those, that's what people have to realize. If they don't understand this or emphasize this, there's no way they're going to stop the inflation. And they usually don't until the market stops it. Like in Venezuela and Zimbabwe, it finally stops. And even in this country uh, with the continental dollar, it just gets out of control. So th this is why I think this whole idea of understanding the political pressures of democracy and the way it's paid for and way it backfires on the very people they claim they're helping, the poor and the middle class. So, Chris, I'm delighted that you have a good understanding of all this going on. So let me hear from you. Well, thank you, Dr. Paul. It's because of you. But uh, yeah, democracy, as you were talking about, it's all about, when you think about democracy, how political authorities are picked. That's really it in a nutshell. And to people today, uh, largely because they've been schooled this way, it means everything. But what is far more important than how political authorities are picked is what those authorities can do. You know, go back to the Declaration of Independence, and when you read it, they spelled out one after another what the king was doing. He's doing this to us. He's doing this to us. And they're complaining that they, the king was taking away their liberties. Then when they formed the U.S. Constitution, it laid out, this is what the federal government can do. It can do this, it can do this, and this. If it's not in this Constitution, then it is left to the states. The federal government can do nothing. They have uh, nothing to do with whatever the issue happens to be. And then there's the Bill of Rights, which specified this is what government cannot do. They cannot infringe on freedom of speech and of religion and of gathering together. So look at what was important back then. They're not talking about how you're picking the political authorities. They were defining this is what government can do, this is what it cannot do. Yet when you look to, or talk to Americans today, they equate America with democracy, even though the word does not appear anywhere in any of the founding documents. They believe America equals <laughs> democracy. Not liberty, but democracy. And that is, has been a major, major downfall. We have to move away from so-called sacred democracy back to sacred liberty. Uh, very good. Now, the, the enemy of uh, sound money uh, that would prevent it and take care of it is um, uh, the the enemy is, is of course the, uh, the 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 fiat money 
only exists when you destroy the concept or make it illegal to use gold and silver. And that, of course, was the first thing that Roosevelt did. As soon as he got in office, he made it illegal to own gold. So it's been ups and downs. But we, the dollar sort of survived uh, in a minor way all the way up to 1971. And then, it, then it's been just drifting. And, and democracy has thrived. And special interests uh, control the situation, all at the expense of liberty. And uh, lo, lo and behold, uh, you, you know, uh, the, the government does not have, want to have restraints. Gold and silver, sound money, restrains the government. But the, the people get convinced, well, it's free stuff and I better get some. And that's the way you make the economy work. But that's a fallacy. And it takes years for people to be finally convinced. But I don't even know if then nobody wants convinced. I don't think they're convinced in Venezuela uh, or, or you'd hear talk of monetary reform. You know, they're still doing it and printing paper money like crazy. So, uh, but, but that is what was meant by, and has been known, it's been known for thousands of years. Gold and silver, the metals are a natural money. They've been around and, and used in transactions for over 5,000 years. And uh, yet uh, uh, they are always undermined by too much government, the stronger the government. You know, the Byzantine Empire did much better uh, with a, a Byzantine coin, uh, the Byzant, uh, that they, because it was not inflated. But after quite a few years, I think it was up to maybe close to a thousand years, they had that coin. So it, the, the sound money works a long time and, and the economy thrives and you don't have the dissension. My personal concern and interest now is trying to get the information out so we don't have this settled in the streets. And that's what's happening right now. When you look at it, justice doesn't exist anymore. It's just a just an argument out there. And just think of how the cities were burning last summer and uh, robberies being done and people were being excused. They fired the police and, and anybody could do anything they want. There was total anarchy and uh, there was no hostility toward that. And the Department of Justice is out rounding up people that have very, very little uh, to contest with when, when you look at what was happening last summer in the in the uh, in the streets but that is liable to get much better because the anger I can understand why people will be anger uh, angry because the average person doesn't understand exactly the mechanism of this he's been told all his life all their lives that you know that this is the way it works and this way we're gonna help you and uh, all of a sudden they find out you know what, uh, my prices are going up too fast. We have to do something about it. And they don't think it through. So they say, well, what we need is price controls. You know, put price controls, keep the price down. There's never enough money. So they either say, force the prices down with wage and price controls, or, uh, you know, just uh, just say wage and price controls don't work, uh, then uh, then we'll have to, uh, uh, you know, give people more money. Because most, most of the people have this trouble, whether it's the bankers, the business people, the military industrial complex, we don't have enough money, and they're getting more money now. And, you know, there's a, um, there's a belief that the increase, and some statistics to prove this, that when the money is passed out, the wealthy are getting 20 times more than the poor people. So there's a lot of poor and they get a lot of money and it's part of the problem because that's the, that's, that is used for the moral justification. We're doing this to help the poor and it's a lie. 
because the poor suffer the most. They're the ones who are paying the taxes. Wealthy people can get around it when a loaf of bread goes for two, from a dollar to two dollars or whatever. They serve be able to pay that for a long time before the whole thing falls apart. But uh, it, uh, it, it is something that the burden right now is falling on the poor. The middle class is shrinking. It was a predictable event. And unless we understand that's related to this pretense that all we have to have uh, is more spending. And uh, literally the, uh, the uh, administration right now has uh, uh, some people arguing the case. Well, one thing we have to do now is to help out is spend more money. And I don't think that's going to work. No, that's the only speed that they understand. Um, anybody that looks at government spending charts going back decade after decade, all the way back, you'll see it goes in one direction only, Republicans, Democrats, it really doesn't matter. And a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about democracy because the only thing that matters is did you vote, did you vote, vote this, vote that. But if the government can do whatever it wants, then your vote, I mean, it obviously is showing that it really doesn't make much of a difference. Because if you have unrestrained government, then the big money will win all the time. And that's why we have today oligarchy and corporatism. They're the big bucks. I mean, look at this COVID. We had Bill Gates going on TV constantly telling us what the policies are going to be of all these governments. Well, how? Why? Why did that even happen? It's because uh, of this so-called oligarchical corporate system. We, we hear, oh, Pfizer says that their, their product is great, and that's the, your reason for using it. So no matter uh, what happens, they win when you have this democracy with unrestrained government, because then they could just put a couple people out for you to choose from, and they win either way. So this is not the way that America was supposed to be. Uh, you know, America was supposed to be, uh, Dr. Paul is a great example of what a politician should be. The big money never bothered with him. They knew he would never vote for whatever they wanted. He would follow the Constitution, and they would just walk right past his door because there was nothing to buy. It wasn't a, uh, you know, you purchase your, your, your legislation uh, however they do it. Uh, so we have to get away from this obviously because it's uh, it's ripping us apart we have to go back to liberty and restrained government not democracy and unlimited government very good the, the um, director of the uh, national economic council is a man by the name of brian deese and uh, d-e-e-s-e and tell you the truth i don't know didn't know much about him but because there was a statement just this week that the administration says that the fix is spending more money that's what they've offered so far just spend more money and that that will solve the problem and it sort of more or less came by brian deese and he happened to even since that statement came out he's been on national television both conservative and uh, liberal television uh, getting you know the serious interview of what has to uh, has to happen and uh, the the reason I was interested in what he what he was saying because I I looked him up and here he is um, and worked a long time for BlackRock and BlackRock is a, uh, a corporation that I've singled out as somebody we should be watching they they're under uh, they have under control they're the largest uh, uh, capital management fund up to close to ten trillion dollars and they also work closely with the Federal Reserve when there's distribution of funds you know like COVID 
or any uh, campaign, uh, any QAEs, and this was, uh, they're very, very connected. It's almost like they're the arm of the uh, of the Federal Reserve, and uh, and he he worked for them for a long time, but he had a meager salary of 2.3 million dollars when he was with them. But uh, he he's also a radical environmentalist. And he's ahead of this now and doing this. And this to me is always important. What do they believe? Well, this, this guy, you know, fits very well. And he was, he was picked uh, by Biden rather uh, quickly, you know, after his, uh, his election. Uh, and and this, this is very important for those who are planning, but it's very important for us to know exactly who's, who's doing this stuff. They have a lot of influence. And uh, I, I think that is the danger. It's, a, it's, a, it's an, uh, a contest between ideas, the good ideas and the bad ideas, inflation uh, versus sound money and uh, understanding, you know, uh, how we can help all the people, not just one segment, and pretend we're helping the other segment. That is so deceitful and it's wrong, it's dishonest, it's illegal, it's, Ill, it's unconstitution, unconstitutional. So people should, people should realize how serious the inflation is, but believe me, it's not going to be corrected by increasing spending, it's not going to be corrected by wage and price controls, it's not going to be, con uh, you know, uh, it's not going to be taken care of until they decide we live within our means, we don't we don't devise a currency that's fiat that we can create a third, third out of thin air and pretend that we can take care of the welfare and the warfare state. It's a, it'll end tragically. And right now we have a past because we're still a powerful nation and we have an empire and people, you know, can't rock the boat too much because we have a lot of clout and we can, if, if uh, this system is bothering us, we can threaten sanctions, we can threaten military power and what goes on. The only thing that's going to stop this and change it, it will not be changing the members of Congress, which is always a good idea if you get the good guys in. But it's a whole fact that uh, if, they, if they don't do it, uh, you will continue to do the same thing and then there will be the crack up boom. I believe that that is a possibility and that will be involved both socially and, and uh, and, uh, and also monetarily and financially, I think that most people identify with the crack up boom with the financial problem, but I think of it in social things too. Just think of how the school systems have broken down, you know, the decorum that goes on, uh, the total elimination of the concept of a higher law that really doesn't exist. How about the lying is told? How about the justice department? They're invoking justice. And now most Americans, more than the majority of the Americans, don't trust the government anymore. Some polls show up to 80%. We've had it. And that's why I think the crowds are growing uh, when there's a chance to dissent. Uh, but it's always really tough to change things back. It's easy to pass out free money, but it's real hard to turn it off. So I work with the assumption that there's going to be rough times to have this eliminated. The market will force us to do it because uh, they can't continue to do it and they can't stop. There's an addiction out there. It's a political addiction that is very, very dangerous. We have to do whatever we can with our program here as well as all of you doing is what you can to get a message out so people don't say, oh yeah, what we need to do is spend more money. It'll work, you know, that sort of thing and go along with this. And just think of the, 
really the information uh, about COVID, and that compounded our errors. I think, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, COVID is serious, and there's a lot of people who get very sick with it, but it's, it's also been uh, way out of proportion to, to the danger, and uh, I think it wasn't an accident that they do that, and it's continuing. They said this is going to last forever now, trying to condition the people, because they want control of the people, and they're, they're managing to do that, and it's a distraction. A lot of times in the past, it was said, oh, so-and-so caused a war because we had a bad economy. Well, and, and, and they had this stupid belief that war uh, increases the welfare uh, of the people. So it, it, is, it is something that uh, a war on COVID has distracted from the cause of so much financial trouble, and that is spending, 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 inflating the Federal Reserve and mobocracy. Just demanding, demanding they're in control and pretending they're defending the wonderful aspect of American democracy. That is a fallacy. It absolutely is, Dr. Paul. I will finish up. You know, what Dr. Paul hits home uh, on every day is the role of government. And he talks about all the different aspects, whether it's financial, foreign policy, COVID. It all boils down to what do people believe the government is or should be? And I, I just want to tell my, our viewers and listeners that you would never want me to perform surgery on you. That is not my role in this world. I can assure you that. And if I perform surgery on you, it would not go well at all for you. Well, this principle of roles has, applies to the government, too. And today, so many people in our country, the supposed land of the free, believe that the government is there. It's everything to everybody. It's going to educate you and, then, and keep you healthy and keep you free from viruses and make sure that you have a job and that you have money and that you're ha It just never ends. You, see, you hear the presidents when they go and they make their speeches. It's a laundry list of all these claims that not only apply to our country, but to the entire world. That's how far into the fantasy world they have gone. And this is by far the most expensive fantasy in mankind's history. No other government ever comes close because they can't possibly do all of the things that they say they do. And we all know that. But it's because look at how many unhappy people there are with the government. Yet they still have this belief that they can do this one thing for them, whatever their pet cause is. And the government should not be involved, like we talked about, in 99% of what they're involved in. So just as my surgery would not go well on you, so is this idea that government is everything to everybody. It is not going well at all. And they're going to go broke, this most expensive fantasy. Until that happens, and when that happens, the more people that believe that the role of government should be the protection of liberty, the better. Very, very good, Chris. And you made many great points right there, especially talking about the form of government that happens. The democracy morphs into something much, much more vicious. But I, I want to just mention a couple numbers that uh, dramatizes how silly this whole thing is and how dangerous it is. I've got one of the silliest things to hear from the Federal Reserve. I don't know how many years it has been since they first started to talk about, well, we're having a problem. It, it, we, we could uh, do better if we just had a little inflation. 
and they worked hard for for at least a decade or longer get the get the prices going up get that's what they call inflation get the prices going up at two percent and all that was doing was they were uh, they were in a period of time when prices weren't going up and they go up and down for various reasons nobody can project to know exactly what increase in the money supply and the deficit will do because it it takes the time but that was the policy get it up to two percent and I kept thinking, every time they would say that, I kept thinking, you know, the day is going to come when 2% is not going to ever be mentioned that we work so hard to get up 2%. And what they were really doing is saying that at 2%, the real debt goes down 2%. And that's how they liquidate debt, is they devalue the currency. And in real, in real terms, the, uh, the, the debt goes down. So they were probably figuring, well, you know, the national debt will go down 2%. But guess what? Exactly the thing that I feared happened. That it, it just soared right past two percent. Now, now it's uh, sort of being common commonplace. Do you know for the last seven months prices have been going up? Well, I'll bet you there are a few shoppers around this country that are saying prices have been going up for a lot longer. I bet you years ago we talked about you know uh, shrinkflation, where the where the goods that you were getting were smaller, and that was compensating for the devaluation and trying to make up. And it it helps for a while, but eventually they get caught at it because it, it's illegal, uh, it's immoral, and uh, it causes a lot of trouble. But some of the other numbers that they're admitting to now, these are government numbers because you could almost think, well, if the government's telling me this, are they leveling with me? Or could they be a little worse than they were? Probably when they were arguing we need 2% inflation, it was probably already 3 or 4 <laughs> Who knows? Because you don't get the full story. But the, uh, the PPI, the price uh, production, uh, production uh, uh, index, is going up 9.7%. That's, that's big. And that means uh, the currency is losing that value that much. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 and people are getting poor. And that's why people are upset. And they should be. And the uh, uh, the uh, CPI, the Consumer Price Index, is up seven percent at a seven percent rate, and it's been going on. It's not just one week's report. This is year over year numbers now that they're starting to produce. These are numbers people identify with, but if they don't know how it got there, they're going to ask for something else because they'll go back just like the administration. Now they have a few problems like to deal with, but the problem of saying. Well, I guess what we should do is spend a little bit. Uh, deficits don't seem to matter. We created uh, nearly $6 trillion in these last couple of years in the combination of Republicans and Democrats. And, you know, we're still surviving. Uh, so they, they, won't, they won't likely uh, do this. And that, that is the reason that people are going to finally have to uh, get around to understanding this and also planning for their personal future too, because if you don't expect the government all of a sudden to deliver us our freedom, which should be the only responsibility of government, making sure that our freedom is our, our freedoms are protected, and that we can take care of ourselves. But but you know, uh, people uh, people don't uh, they don't have enough confidence in freedom. They're 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 really uh, one of the problems. They're afraid. Uh, they've been conditioned for so many years now, probably in a way a hundred years that there was always going to be somebody to take care of us. And so the confidence isn't, isn't there until we have a confidence and full knowledge 
that living in a free society <clears throat> is a much better deal and a much better way to live with greater prosperity and greater liberty. There's, there's no, nothing is going to happen. People have to have a lot more confidence that liberty is a solution. It's not a problem. But the people who like to rip us off and pretend they're helping one group while they're pocketing all the money, uh, that's, that's another story. But uh, in spite of the uh, serious problems we have, <clears throat> I still believe this message is spreading. When I went to Congress in 76, nobody ever heard of Austrian economics, and, and there's been a lot of emphasis on sound economic policies. And even though the Keynesians and the big government people are still in charge, and they're really in charge of both political parties, there's, a, there's enough people out there. Just like COVID uh, and the problems and the mandates, we're getting a better uh, uh, you know, approach to this because people are waking up and they're sick and tired of it. And they're, they're just not going to accept that without doing some resisting. That eventually is going to be what we have to do. We have to resist this authoritarianism that has turned into something very, very serious at the sacrifice of our liberties. The answers are there and they're not difficult. And, and, uh, and, and it, it shouldn't be hard to sell since it would make us all so much better off. It would make us much happier and it would be make and uh, make our economic condition so much better but the confidence isn't there and has to do with the malarkey that has been taught in our universities for a hundred years but it's available now in spite of the shortcomings of the uh, internet it's available out there under the under uh, the term of austrian economics and look at the mises institute uh those ideas are out there and they're ready to be used so uh, but we have to have support by the people and I, I do believe we're moving in that direction even though you can't identify that if you make a trip to New, uh, to uh, uh, Washington DC and see the uh, problems that we have there because they're rather manifest and they're not doing much to help us I do want to thank everybody for tuning in <clears throat> for tuning in today uh, to the Liberty Report please come back soon <laughs>